Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 359. My name is Brando. We welcome his two guests today, two interviews. Uh, later on, we're going to welcome Brian from the band Fame on Fire under the umbrella Appetite for Discovery. You like that? You like that, Brian? Boy, I didn't even ask you because he is a difficult last name. I think it's Kuznets. I'll ask him, but I forgot to ask you. It's Raleigh or Rolly? Raleigh. You got it right the first time. I figured it was, but I <laughs> I get a lot of things wrong. I get a lot of things wrong, which is not a good thing to say, and, and you don't because you actually have to be fact-checked in order to be on Ultimate <laughs> Classic Rock, <laughs> which is Doing just, my best. You do, you do a great job. It's so cool, and I, I it's been a while that I've wanted to have you on that I've discovered you via Twitter. We discovered each other. Oh, and by the way, if you're watching this on, on Zoom, on our uh, YouTube channel, you just look like me without hair, with, with hair, right? <laughs> we just switched the location of the hair. You, I, know? you look like me in like my early 20s. <laughs> I, really, I, really, I really, that's so, I don't know what this means. Do I need to go back and warn you about things that are going to happen to you later in life? <laughs> Tell me to prepare. Start, start taking. Start growing this in now. Start taking Propecia now. That's that stuff doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, um, you're. I mean, a huge Guns N' Roses fan. I kept seeing your name pop up in all these great articles. Uh, I think you did it last year where you. I don't know if it was just you, but you would break down the, each song, the anniversary of Use Your Illusion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Um, I did probably the bulk of them, but we had a handful of writers who were taking cracks at different songs each day for uh, the whole month of September. And then we got to round them all up at the end. And yeah, that was a really fun project. I mean, uh, I, I already, I thought I knew kind of the ins and outs of those two records already, but doing the deep dive into each song and uh, digging up old interviews and magazine articles and cover stories from the nineties and stuff, it was a lot of fun to do that project. How long does something like that take to put that all together? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd probably say, you know, each each individual breakout story probably takes like, um, you know, uh, maybe three to five hours to, you know, uh, find the sources, do the research, and then get it all uh, written up into a story form. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I think it just depends on how accessible like the original source material was because, uh, you know, you might use Wikipedia as a jumping off point to be like, oh, what they say about this? Uh, but then there's a gazillion citations and you want to actually find where they come from. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, all that pre-internet era uh, footage is a little harder to come by. Uh, but thankfully, Guns N' Roses fans are a pretty passionate bunch, as you and I both know very well. Um, so there is a lot of that stuff that people have, you know, scanned and uploaded on different message boards and forums and stuff like that. I say it all the time without the, the fans, which I am one of, but as I guess now as a podcaster doing this, without my listeners, 
I wouldn't know half of what I know. Just the, the amount of things that are put online and fact-checking, just a very intelligent fan base. But I, I kind of want to get to your fan base because I obviously told my story the first episode about just being a Guns N' Roses fan who happens to be in radio, and I com- combine the two. You're a Guns N' Roses fan who's a journalist, so I'm just going to want to know a little bit more of your your backgrounds, not just as a not as a Guns N' Roses, not only as a Guns N' Roses fan, but also as a how you got into journalism and writing. Yeah, well, you know, it's incidentally they kind of go hand in hand for me. Um, I mean, I grew up uh, a rock and roll fan my whole life, and um, got my first Guns N' Roses CD uh, when I was. 12, I think I borrowed, borrowed appetite from my neighbor's parents CD collection. They had a bunch of stuff from the seventies and eighties that I would, nice. you know, we'd hang out and I'd go like grab a handful of CDs every time I go over to their house and go put them on iTunes. Um, so, I mean, appetite for destruction was one of the first albums I fell in love with. And I mean, to this day, it's still my favorite album. Um, but I was kind of diving into all that stuff at the same time, you know, a lot of the seventies hard rock and the eighties hard rock and the glam and glam adjacent scene. That was really my bag. And I mean, it still is. Um, I remember when it was, uh, it was 2007. There was the, um, Rolling Stone cover story about the 20th anniversary of appetite for destruction had one of the vintage photos of the bands on the front. Um, and I remember it opened with this like really <laughs> salacious lead about uh, Axel having sex in the recording studio while recording Rocket Queen. And hey, I'm like 12 years old at the time. So I'm like, <laughs> this is the craziest band in the world, you know, and I was just like totally captivated and blown away. I felt like I was seeing something I wasn't supposed to at the time, which is kind of how I felt when I heard Guns N' Roses the first time, too. Um but it was just such an amazing cover story. Brian Hyatt from Rolling Stone wrote it. So shout out to him. Um, but I mean, from that point forward, I was like, wait a sec. I think I want to do this. This seems like fun. Getting paid to just like hang out with your favorite bands and write stories about them. That sounds great. Yeah, right. That's exactly, you know, I get paid not very well by the podcast, but just radio, my radio career. I get paid to do this. I mean, it's a... You know, it's a, it's a blessing when you're able to combine. You gotta love what you do, otherwise it's it, it's not really work, right? If, if you love what you do, it's not really work. Uh, what was your? Do you remember your first? Like, cause I remember my first interview, which happened, this, of course, well before the podcast. But my first interview ever was Bumblefoot. Uh, it was, oh, nice. Haven't had him on the podcast because that's a whole other story. Appetite for distortion is just sometimes it's. I don't know. I, I think GNR management. Some people see that they just th- see like a, like I'm a tabloid, which I'm not. But that's a whole again, whole the story. But this was for Cape Cod radio station, and I people know who've listened to the podcast know the story. But that was my, I remember. I'll never forget it. My first interview, Bumblefoot. Do you remember yours? I think that my first interview um, was probably. So I moved to Austin in 2013 uh, to start going to college down here. I majored in journalism. And uh, the first story, like the first band profile I did was on an Austin-based band called Scorpion Child. Um, kind of hard rock. Uh, they sort of tapped into like that kind of stoner rock sort of thing with like Zeppelin and Deep Purple influences and stuff okay. too. Just like a good good heavy rock band. But I interviewed their singer, um, 
for a story that you know got published in the in the online only student magazine um but i had seen them on a festival a couple months earlier and like totally fell in love with the band so even at that point i was like oh man you know this feels really cool um and did did uh did a bunch of you know local artist interviews in college um and slowly scaled my way up to doing some some bigger ones i think my first kind of like big interview from somebody in like a you know, like an established band was Billy Gold from Faith No More. Okay. Uh, that was in 2015. Yeah. I keep, I keep getting rejected by Faith No More. I keep trying. <laughs> I keep trying for Mike Patton They're, or somebody from the band. I just, that's my point. They see Guns N' Roses, you know, they just think Guns N' Roses podcast. And I'll be like, mm. I, I don't have to ask you, you know, Mike Patton, did you really piss in Axel's shoes. I, I can just talk to him about whatever. You, it just happens to be appetite for distortion. I can, I, yeah. You know, I make the rules. So uh, I think I'm still bitter and I'm a little jealous, but you know what? I respect you because you got, you had an, a great interview uh, last year. Can you talk to us about how Slash was your interview with Slash? Oh yeah, of course, man. Um, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I have to explain to you how that's been, you know, kind of my, kind of like a unicorn interview. I've yeah. been, I've been chasing that forever. And, uh, honestly couldn't was, I mean, I was, I was still kind of in disbelief and doubt going up to like probably the morning of, you know, I figured something was going to happen and it, it would fall through. Right. Um, I know that feeling. you know, I started getting the press releases and emails about the new slash album, probably, I don't know, six months before it was out. Mm -hmm. So like at the very beginning, I was like, Hey, just want to put it on your radar now. Would love to set something up at your convenience. No pressure, you know, mm. whenever. Um, and you know, tried to tried to play it cool, and then started ramping up the emails a little more as we got closer. But uh, you know, uh, thankfully, it, it amazingly all came together. Uh, it did happen. Um, when I was on the call, it was a twenty-minute uh, phone call, mm -hmm. and uh, honestly, it was like. I mean, I was mostly just trying to keep my keep myself from hyperventilating, you know, before we got on the phone. And uh, while I was in it, um, I could I, I could sense that it was going pretty well. But honestly, I was kind of just my nerves were kind of taking over. So I sort of just went on autopilot and, you know, uh, had had kind of thought about it so much and prepared so much that it was like I was able to get through it. Uh, but it wasn't really until after we wrapped up and I hung up the phone and like sat back for a sec that I was like, wow, man, that, uh, that just happened. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Um, but, but it was great. And I was honestly kind of grateful for, you know, the parameters and the kind of short time frame, uh, just cause it was like, you know, I was so, I was so nervous and so excited. Um, I would love, I, I hope to interview Slash again in the future and maybe we can do a longer sit down or something. But, you know, for this first time, it sure. was like, keep the training wheels on so I can just get through this in one piece. I respect and I identify with a lot of that stuff. It's like when I was on the phone with Alice Cooper for 15 minutes, it's like, obviously I want to speak to him for longer, but the 50, it gives you a focus. It's like, I don't have time to mess around. You know, I got to ask good questions. I, I got to make the most of my opportunity here. Uh, yeah. So I, I got, I got 15 minutes with Alice a couple years ago too. And I was, I was the <laughs> same way. I, that's when I was still in college. I was an intern at a local paper and I was, that was my first like big, like real big interview okay. that, that somebody who doesn't do this would like, 
you know, know that name. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that the name my wife always uses when she's like, oh, he has a podcast. He interviews people. And she always says, Alice Cooper. And, yeah. I, <laughs> and I'm, I'm so, you know, uh, I'm so anti, I'm so egoless. I'm so, I, I, I need to have more confidence in myself. So I always have to put myself down. So I'm like, eh, it was on, it was 15 minutes. He was on the phone a couple years ago, whatever. But it's still a big deal. I have to yeah. accept it. It was also interesting and it ties in this last thing. I got a call just maybe like an hour ago from uh, Peter Napoliello. He was the former senior vice president of Geffen during the Appetite era. He's been mm-hmm. on the podcast a couple times. He randomly calls me. He's fr- from New York, like me, uh, a Jew like me. So I don't know, maybe that's why he likes me. But he lives in Estonia now, which the only okay. reason I knew of Estonia before was from Encino Man. So just to mm-hmm. show you where my... If anyone gets that reference. Uh, so he just wants calls to check in and everything. And he's like, you know what? I, I, I feel comfortable telling you this. Because um, I, I, he still talks to Slash every now and then. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I called him on his birthday. I texted him. And Slash got to me right back. We were on the phone for like an hour. And he's like, everything is just great in the Guns N' Roses camp. Everything is just really good. And then uh, I just go on to say, like, one day, I guess hope to get a Slash interview one day. And he's like... You're being a putz. It's going to happen for you when it's meant to happen. You know, he's like, remember, whenever you doubt yourself, remember me calling you a putz. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll remember that, Peter. So thank you. Uh, but I think that is, that is awesome. And that's on, if people haven't read it, it's on um, Ultimate Classic Rock, right? And, and is that the only publication you write for? That's right. Yeah. yeah. At, at the moment, I am full-time there. I had been doing the freelancing grind for several years, but oh, now I'm, I'm staffed at Ultimate Classic Rock. Good. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Good for you, man. Uh because this is, again, it's almost like looking into a mirror, a youth mirror. Because my, while broadcast journalism was my major, uh, was my major, right? Exactly. It wasn't radio. So I have a journalism, my, you know, there's a part of my heart that it will always be a journalist. So I, mm-hmm. I respect the grind and the freelance. And that is a tough, tough thing just to wait for your next gig and what article it's going to be. And, and you hope for staffing. In, in, um, and I know in being in radio, in an industry that's changing. Let's just say that, you know, in the industry that that's not the way it used to be like with newspapers yeah. and everything, but things are changing. Um, you, you said something the other day and I tweeted, I, I like, uh, by the way, people should follow Brian Raleigh on, on Twitter, not just BTS fans. By the way, <laughs> you have a huge BTS following, which remind me to get I, to. I do. Yeah. And that, that came from my freelancing days when I was, uh, writing for Forbes pretty regularly. Oh, okay. Um, wrote a lot about them because a lot of the job was, you know, following um, kind of the, the, the business and the trends of popular music. And it's a really, um, you know, as I was doing that, it was a really fun thing to observe and analyze and dig into. Uh, and I mean, BTS are just constantly making moves and, you know, kind of uh, doing some paradigm shifting things as far as, you know, uh, uh, non-Western artists in the U.S. Uh, so it was pretty amazing to watch and write about. And yeah, I, I guess a lot of people agreed. So yeah, I've, I've got a pretty sizable following of, of BTS fans. But I'm always trying to say, hey, I've, you know, I have multitudes. My my first love is always rock and roll. So uh, don't be afraid. Don't yeah. Don't be afraid to follow me with that uh, too. <laughs> oh, it's primarily rock and roll. You're, you're a great follow. It's just funny whenever you 
tweet anything BTS, those are the ones. I think uh, you tweeted something the other day, like, oh, my ratio is showing up or something. It's just the amount of likes and retweets when it's anything about BTS, even though there's some really funny, you know, rock tweets you put out there. But I had put out something. Um, as I always say during every uh, podcast, the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. So I, I put up a picture of Axel giving the finger just for some reason. And I put, what if, parentheses, the world, because I always have to have a pun in there or something, play on words. Uh, Axel released a statement saying, so he would say this. This wasn't be speculation. If you release a statement, Twitter, whatever, no new music is coming. And there goes happy touring. And how would we, you react? And honestly, the on all my platforms, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and, and, and Facebook, a lot of responses all over the place. People would be upset, and there were people that wouldn't care. I'm happy if he's happy. I would be disappointed, but I would understand a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. I like your response, so I want you to elaborate. Uh, I'd be grateful for his tactic uh, permission to finally obsessing over something else. So are you... I'm the one with the GNR podcast. So you're obsessing over GNR as much as me or over new music? Uh, talk to me. I will tell you um, in the weeks leading up to the reunion announcement, late 2015, right at the beginning of 2016, um, I had more than one person tell me like, hey, man, I think you should chill. Uh, I think you should take it easy and maybe like stop Googling this uh, like every five minutes and constantly refreshing social media for more updates. Like just relax a bit. I was like, I swear, man, I'm going to have a heart attack. (laughs) If they don't, if they don't just announce something right now, I'm going to lose it. Um, But yeah, I, I would, I would say that my GNR fandom is, is pretty obsessive and uh, I try to keep it in check until the right time and place uh, when I'm among my uh, my my kin like I am right now, but uh, this is your yeah, outlet. I, it's always that's always how it's been for me. And uh, I was actually I was at the show last summer at uh, I think it was MetLife when I think it was like the second night they played Absurd, but it was the night they announced it was going to come out on streaming like that day at midnight. And I was like beside myself. I was I was freaking out. Um, I was at that show. I was like, what did he just say? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like oh, did they actually just say you can download something? That was cr- yeah, crazy. Yeah, I, I was like, am I hearing this correctly? And I'm like up in the nosebleeds too, so I was very literally like, I might be mishearing this, but I think that's what he just said. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I still hold out hope that more uh, GNR music is uh, coming out somewhere down the line. I I I don't hold my breath for it. I try not to think about it too much because, um, you know, they, uh, they operate on their own timeline. Um, they, they do things on their schedule and not on the fan schedule. So, uh, but still I hold out hope. Um, and yeah, if, if there was a statement from the band, you know, no more music, no new music ever. We're just touring. I would be disappointed, maybe not surprised, uh, a little relieved, like I said, that I could just start obsessing over something else. That's kind of know? why I asked it. Like, would you just be like, okay, at least now I know. Mm-hmm. Because I would be disappointed, of course, but at least now I know. But I guess, have I know you really couldn't deep dive into it with Slash, but I guess with your research that you've done, it's just something that 
I don't. I just don't have an answer for it. I guess nobody does, other than Axel. But why put out absurd? Why put out hard school and not say anything? You'll get the interviews with Slash saying music is coming this summer. Mm-hmm. We're already we're in this summer, right. so it's it's just. Um, I don't know. Is it? It's. It's. Does it go harken back to Chinese democracy, where it's you're you're afraid to put a date on something, mm. and you're it's it, it, you rather just not say anything, and just when it happens, you'll be grateful. And it, yeah, uh, that's that's my assumption. But I want to know. <laughs> that's how I am with everything. Tell me yes or no, even if it breaks my heart. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there. I think it's always good to remember that. Um, obviously, like I think people fans and and non-fans as well everybody you know it's it's easy to make a punchline of the chinese democracy timeline um but this is a band that dating back to their first album i mean they have always had a tenuous relationship with release dates i mean stuff was always getting pushed back back then it might have been a few months to a year but even then for for a baby band like that was a huge amount of time to delay things um Whereas now it's, you know, who, who knows how long things get delayed or if, or when they'll, they'll ever come out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't even fathom being in, in a band and a, a, a business entity and an operation as big as Guns N' Roses at this point. I'm sure there's so many moving parts that you right. know, outside observers can't even understand who knows I what agree. it takes to just get one song out there. I know. And I think that's why it's, Almost a miracle that Absurd and, and Hard School came out. I know uh, Absurd is polarizing. What do, you, what do you think of it? I'm a fan. I've said it. I wasn't a fan of Silkworms, but whatever, whatever it is about Absurd and the, uh, the peas full of maggots. Sorry, I don't even feel comfortable reciting the lyrics. I'll blame you. Yeah. Right? It's like, what do you think about it? Do you think it was a... Um, you know, it was kind of a continuation of Chinese democracy, or was it maybe a troll job by Axel? Hey, you want new music? Here you go. Here's absurd. Don't ask me I, again. <laughs> I truly don't know what compelled them to release that song first. Um, it will always puzzle me. To me, it feels, I mean, musically, it really feels like a continuation of Oh My God. Um which I have always enjoyed Me too. Uh, a lot. I, I don't think I like Absurd quite as much as Oh My God. Right. Um, I think that's one of the songs where it's like, I, I, I will cop to kind of enjoying it because I am genetically predisposed to enjoy every Guns N' Roses song, <laughs> no matter how weird or polarizing it is. Fair enough. Um, However, it is not a song that I would recommend to other people to listen to unless they are fellow diehards. Hard school, I would tell anyone to listen to. Absurd, acquired taste. That is, uh, that is very fair, very, and I agree with all of your points. This is why you're becoming uh, one of my favorite journalists. You and, uh, you and Matt Wake, uh, you're good eggs, both of you. Wake is awesome. Yes, yeah, he is. Love that guy. Him and I, we, uh, we bond over the baldness here. I, I don't have that <laughs> with, uh, with you. By the way, what is that? Mag, uh, the poster behind you is that like White Lion or no? It's Motley Crue. Who is that? That's yeah. That's Feel Good Era Motley Crue. Okay. And then that small one up there is a, a live Guns N' Roses poster from the Illusion tour. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I found it at a, a used record store years ago, and I was like, "Hey, man, is that poster for sale?" It was just like buried on the walls, and he was like, "Dude, if you can get it off the wall, it's yours. I don't care." Hmm. 
you know, I'm going to talk to you. It's the, the next episode that I'm doing after you, um, our, our friend Doug Goldstein, who, of course, was the GNR manager during that time. And uh, Pyro Pete, uh, he did all the pyrotechnics during the, the tour. I mean, I can't even imagine his story with a name like Pyro Pete. But that said, I've always, I mean, this was one of those fun uh, Twitter questions, social media questions you get asked. Like, if you can go back in time, what concert would you go to or what sporting event? So for me, concert, I don't know if it was a specific one, I could say, but the Use Your Illusion era, I feel like I've just missed out on. I was too young. You know, my first concerts were Ninja Turtles. Years later, Eve Six in high school just wasn't. GNR wasn't in my. I didn't see them until 2002 with Mr. Buckethead, who, by the mm-hmm. way, had guitar stolen from him, which is fucked up. So if you see Buckethead's stolen guitars, they're out there. <laughs> if you want, there's info out there if you need. That's a that's another side story. But I don't I don't know, man. Uh, what do you what do you like? If I can, I just want to be able to experience the the danger and i know people maybe because it's 2020 if you were there you would not want the threat of a riot or you're upset when you're waiting three hours in between you know metallica and guns and roses or uh, i still wish i experienced that that axel rose so what about you do you have a i guess that's a two-part question um you're too young to have gone to that right how old are you I am. I am 27. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Too young. yeah, yeah. No way. I would not have seen guns on during any of their so-called heyday. Yeah, yeah. Um, my first, my first gun show is 2011. Okay. Um, yeah, but I am there with you. My favorite live era of guns is the Illusion Tour. Uh, to me, my favorite of the, you know kind of pro shot HD footage from their heyday is the live in Tokyo 92. Um, sure. I would, I, I, you know, watch that show a million times. I think if there's one show I would like to see from them, it would be Paris 92 when they brought out Steven Tyler and Joe Perry for their encore. Cause Aerosmith is, uh, another one of my favorite bands, just about neck and neck with guns. Okay. And, uh, to see them on stage together would be amazing. Yeah, that's another thing too. The the Paris ninety two. I would have only been nine and to have experienced that on on pay per view when pay per view was still relatively new and exciting. And uh, I would love to have seen that Warren Beatty rant. You know, oh yeah, those <laughs> like that. That's the Axel. I mean, I am obviously so glad that he is smiling on stage. He's hugging people. He's waving. He's I don't know. He's like Oprah out there. He's just like, yeah. he's just like giving out you happiness on such. Yeah, yeah. Not a new song. Well, maybe Absurd in Heart School. He can't say that anymore. Well, that's that's a whole other discussion. Oh, it's he he made fun of himself. Here's a new song I wrote 20 years ago. He said yeah. that uh, on the recent tour about um, I think Hard School. I mean, it's it's. That's a whole other discussion, Brian. You're gonna have to come back. You're not leaving yet, but you're gonna have to come back on all these side things i want to pick your brain about uh so when did you you said you saw them in 2011 uh who who's opening that i i forget that year what was that uh the pretty reckless i think oh okay yeah. taylor momson must have been like a teenager at the time In you know it's funny uh all this is tying them together yeah because i have never seen the pretty reckless i want to mm-hmm. i i share 
I think even Ultimate Classic Rock found one of these things. So like, because all my interviews, some of them are long, and there's a lot of good quotes in there. And I don't expect everybody to pay attention for like an hour. So I've started making like highlight clips and everything on on my YouTube page. And I did it like a while ago with Taylor Momsen when she was on. And I asked about, I don't know if you've seen a picture with her and Axl Rose. It's during his. I might have seen if you, sh- I feel like you might have shared probably, it recently. Probably. Okay. It's, it's during that Fu Manchu era of Axl. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. The 2011 version of Axl. And mm-hmm. he's, whereas most pictures, Axl's not smiling. You know, he's like Kanye. He's just like stern, stoic. Don't, he is yeah. just like, I got my hands around Taylor Momsen. He's got that kind of look. So I asked her about it and I put out a two minute clip and it was recently her only her 29th birthday. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So when you mentioned teenager, that's what makes me think of this because I'm like, she's only 29. Damn. You know, cause she's been in our consciousness since she was like a, you know, like a kid. Yeah. Uh, seriously. Right. So, but the, I bring this up too because for whatever reason, maybe because it was her birthday, that clip has like over a thousand views in the past day, and it's over a year old. I'm just that's so weird when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So just a a reminder to people. A lot of good stuff on my YouTube page that you, you may have missed. And I'm just yeah, like, why now. why people no. find? Yeah, just now. Like, why are you finding this? Whatever. As long as you find it, I don't care. Uh, how did what do you think of that show? That first because I've spoken about my first my my buckethead experience. Tell me about yeah. 2011 GNR. I mean, I thought it was awesome. I, I loved it. Um, I was like 16, I think. Mm. Went with my mom. It was uh, Susquehanna nice. Bank Center in Camden, New Jersey. Um, I do remember my only like negative takeaway is that the vocals were mixed way too low. Um, however, what I did hear the vocals, Axel was in great voice. I thought he sounded like I thought he sounded great most of that. 2011 2012 stretch of time those dates he, he was really on fire um <clears throat> i was not you know i wasn't too much of like a purist about the lineup at the time i was just grateful to be seeing any iteration of guns and roses at, at any point um i thought dj and bumblefoot and richard all crushed it you know everybody was running around the stage like a madman the lights were great the set list was really great um it was an awesome awesome show i do remember at one point in the show there was a there must have been some sort of scuffle up front because axel did stop the set and and walk up to the lip of the stage and uh you know he wasn't yelling he was kind of talking in his terrifying like whispery baritone but I he know. was like is there a problem up here is there a uh, problem yeah exactly and i was like oh man we're gonna are we gonna see some fireworks right now but uh i guess everyone up front got it together pretty quickly after that. So um, there were, there were little, you know, elements of that danger still, that unpredictability, but uh, went off without a hitch. It was a really good show. Yeah. There's still the, the elements of that, like with the recent tour with all the sound issues they've had. And when they had a stop start, a strange, I forget what, what city that was in, but talking to fans doing those fan reviews, it's like, is this it? Is this like, is this when this all implodes? And, and it doesn't. Yeah. And it's great. And, they, and Guns N' Roses just announced more shows, Singapore, Bangkok. They're going all over the world. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I feel so bad for my friends in Glasgow. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, people keep asking me, do you think they're going to come back? Yeah, I think they'll come back. I don't, why, I don't know why, when. I just don't know when. Yeah. I guess it's the same thing. That's, that's it with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I don't know if soon is the word. You'll see it. Right. 
Yeah. You know? Soon, uh, relative to what? <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, who else other than Slash have you gotten to interview in the GNO world? Um, I'm pretty sure only I spoke to Matt Sorum in 2018, but cool. it was not really music related. It was about a platform he launched called Artbit, which was um, it was like a. I'm going to be honest, I still don't really know how to describe it because like tech is not my bag, but it was like an artist kind of discovery platform that was like community based, but it was like it operated on the blockchain. Um, and I'm, I'm it's really like I'm, I'm embarrassing myself, but I don't know what any of those words in that order. Really Sounded mean. good to me. Yeah, it, um, <laughs> he was uh, here in Austin for South by Southwest. Uh, he was like up in in like a holiday in hotel room basically. And it was just like really nice, sterile, cold room. And you, you know, he was doing 30 minute interviews. So it's like mm. one journalist is done, they walk out and you walk in and um, what a life. It, it was kind of like a, it wasn't really an interview so much as a monologue because I was just like so clueless as to like all the tech aspects of it. Mm. Um, I kind of just let him talk for most of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, I did a Q and a with him for Forbes and it was pretty much just me like sharing what he told me verbatim. Cause I'm like, I, I got nothing to add to this. <laughs> you make me feel better about myself. Cause that's sometimes what I do. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but I'll report it. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I don't know either. One of my brothers is, uh, it's not exactly the same, but he's all into Bitcoin and, uh, you know, digital money. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I got a, I got an ATM card. I'm good. Yeah. Right. I, if I can't. <laughs> I can't see it and hold it. I don't really know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, like Guns N' Roses music. <laughs> I have yeah, to see it. <laughs> it exists in, in the abstract, but uh, it's not really tangible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, in, in leak form. Uh, but even then, did it really happen? Did it really yeah. happen? Yeah. Actually, no. I, feel, I feel guilty because... Um, Maybe like a year ago, we at Ultimate Classic Rock, I did a roundup of like the 10 best unreleased Guns N' Roses songs. Yeah, you did. And uh, I did. And I I just wasn't really thinking about the ramifications of that, but uh, I just wanted to share some good tunes. So I, I linked to them on like YouTube and SoundCloud and very quickly, most of them got taken down. <laughs> so sorry. Sorry to all you folks out there. I hope you had downloaded them offline beforehand. Yeah, that that was always the case. Uh, I. Were you reached, uh, out, did the camp reach out to you at all? Uh, no. Or, okay. Um, no, they just took the YouTube links down and you know, like the article is still up. It's just all the embeds are like pretty much dead. Been there, done that. Yeah. All the, I mean, I, and I can understand that. That was never an issue for me when I've spoken about, uh, copyright or takedowns in the past. If it's unreleased and it's not supposed to be out, it, it shouldn't be out there, but it's a lot of like the footage that, well, there used to be a lot of user illusion, user illusion footage on YouTube, but, and people are waiting like, oh, when's the box set? When's the box set? Of course, I don't know as management uh, stiff arms me. You know, I'm lucky who I've gotten to interview um, mm -hmm. regardless. But Tim Tricoli, who, who was on the podcast a while ago, he's a huge Guns N' Roses collector. Uh, so much so that the band contacted him for the, um, the the box, the whole the one thousand the the thousand dollar box set that of oh, appetite the skull yeah box. yeah which I never I mean it looks cool but I mean now it's it might be being sold for two hundred bucks but at the time it was a thousand yeah. that he contributed some of his stuff so he did the same thing for this user illusion box set and he just mm -hmm. 
He just has to have a little patience. All we need. Yeah. I mean, the anniversary was last year, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. That means they're still like two years ahead of schedule by their, by their stance. You're right. You're right. It's all relative. Soon is all relative, you know? Yeah. Oh, I would, I would kill. I mean, I can only hope that there's at some point in time, like some properly reissued, you know, remastered, uh, HD live footage, whether it's audio or video or something. I mean, those shows are just like begging to be updated and put out. It would be such a, a treat. I know, I know. Yeah, that was something else too. Where, I uh, when I asked before, like, hey, there's no new music coming out. Like, if Axel released this hypothetical question, and there were some that said, I'm okay with no new music. Just release some of the old stuff, remaster mm-hmm. stuff. I'd be happy with that. Outtakes and things. So that's something else. I just wanted to see. It was a, a wide range of uh, of answers. It wasn't just mm-hmm. all disappointment, which was good. I think you know people were, were understanding. As long as he's happy, I'm happy, and that's how I feel. You know, yeah. Keep doing it. As somebody who missed the uh, the appetite era, just like with you, and use your illusion era. That now we're in an era that this is not in this lifetime, forever in a lifetime. It's transformed, and they just keep going and going. Uh, hopefully, I, I just hope this band keeps doing it. Like I know some people make fun of the Rolling Stones, but as long as they're happy and they're still performing and people are paying, you know, they want to mm-hmm. pay. Uh, who cares, man? Who cares? Uh, let me ask yeah. you, as uh, as a journalist, as a wannabe journalist to another, do you ever, for another question that I, not a question, I just put out a, um, a wish that I would love for another Kurt Loder, Axl Rose interview. I mean, I would love for any Axl Rose interview. Do you foresee yeah. him doing a, a proper one again? I know he had that China Exchange one a few years ago, but do you, and then, of course, Eddie Trunk, several years ago before that a couple you know a couple times but oh yeah it's just all these years into the reunion and it's not like he and slash have sat down together mm. you would see this i mean look what we saw with the stadium tour all the bands got together new pressers this band does it so i'm just curious do you foresee axel ever doing another interview yeah um I think the way things are going right now, it just doesn't seem like they have any like need to right. or desire to. And I mean, they were such a, um, uh, a, a tumultuous band. Uh, their relationship with the press, you know, was so uh, uh, volatile in, in the 90s, 80s and 90s um, that I think like I understand that instinct for self-preservation and just wanting to, you know, not cause any unnecessary rift or drama. And I think the media landscape has changed so much since they were actively participating in it. I totally understand their reasoning for like not wanting to play that game now. Plus, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was someone in the band or like maybe a, like management or publicity around them, but I remember hearing somebody made the point like, they don't need to do press anymore. They can sell out stadiums around the world for the rest of their lives yeah. without doing a single interview. So there's really no like tangible benefit to them doing any sort of like big tell-all sit-down interview like that. As a as a fan, I would love for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really foresee it happening unless someday out of the blue Axel decides to drop a memoir, which would for sure be like the coolest memoir in history. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. And I agree with everything you just said, unfortunately, but I get it. Why do it? Why upset the apple cart? Doug says that all the time. 
There's no reason to. This band doesn't, their advertising is always so minimal, even if they do do it, like for the box set, you would, weren't there like weird advertisements uh, during movie previews and, you know, sometimes you'll see billboards, but nothing like pressers, but they're Guns N' Roses. Everyone knows who they are. They don't really need yeah. to do it now that Sla- especially now that Slash is back, that people aren't asking anymore. Like, oh, is it really yeah. Guns N' Roses? That whole conversation we were having for a while. I mean, there are still, of course, us the hardcore fans that still may have that conversation. But to the masses, as long as it's Axel and Slash, people are going to be keep showing up. That's just how it's yeah. going to be. I think another problem is like w- with any kind of legacy artist, um, especially one that has like a pretty. Uh, you know, bumpy, bumpy past, uh, so many, like, there's so many, um, like kind of fickle fans or like just surface level fans who, you know, happen to work in media that it's, it's like, they are probably correct in assuming that like a lot of people would just want to ask about the, the weird, uncomfortable stuff, the drama or like, you know, make jokes at, at their expense and, and, uh, you know, kind of, present them as questions you know if 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 they could trust that people would actually ask questions that are coming from a place of like sincerity and real interest in the band then maybe they would feel more willing to do interviews but uh with so much so many years of that behind them i i again man i don't uh blame them for it neither do i Uh, mick wall krang bob guccione jr uh andy setcher they ruined it for us brian (laughs) Uh, uh, us honest journalists I don't try to dig for dirt whenever there's clickbait out of my podcast it's not because of a a question that I asked it's it's out of my hands at that point Um, I don't know let's just you keep doing the good work you're doing I'll keep trying to do the good work that I'm doing and and hopefully one of us can land an Axel interview which would just be dude I you know fingers crossed that's the real one I uh, I don't know I don't know if that'll if that'll ever happen, but I'll I'll, I'll keep holding out hope. Yeah, man, I, I I will too. Obviously, as well. You know, I I, I want to have you on again. I'm going to show you, so I'm not to be completely distracted. I'm being texted by Doug Goldstein. So nice. the episode after this one, after we're we're done recording, it's going to be Doug Goldstein's going to be my co-host for, of course, former Guns N' Roses manager. Was with the band for 17 years. Started out as tour manager and up until the Chinese era, until he quit. And he's going to bring on Pyro Pete. Pyro Pete did all the pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics, I can say that word. Hey, I'm still missing a tooth, hey? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> n- n- next week, I'm getting the, the screw in, so I don't know. This might be one of the last few episodes I do for a while. Uh, Pyro Pete uh, did all the pyrotechnics for the user illusion tour so as we know a lot of fireworks literal literal and metaphoric were set off uh during that tour so and what we're gonna try is we're gonna also invite a fan to come on who was there give his experience and i'm gonna try maybe take some calls i haven't done that yet on a podcast we'll see how it goes so stick around uh that's next episode this episode though is is not done coming up uh right now actually it's for appetite for discovery uh fame on fire but brian before we do that any articles coming out any um anything on the on the horizon that we should be aware of Uh, i mean i'm always always writing stuff uh whether it's news or reviews or interviews um i recently 
nothing that I know that is explicitly Guns N' Roses related uh, right now. Um, I recently published uh, interviews with Blackie Lawless from Wasp nice. and Michael Monroe, formerly of Hanoi Rocks, now doing a solo thing. Um, and we'll probably have a couple part twos coming out. Blackie talked to me about the U.S. tour that Wasp has coming up this fall. Uh, Michael's got a zillion things in the pipeline as far as reissues and other multimedia projects. He's a super busy guy. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for those. Um, and uh, we'll see see what else happens. I also, uh, if, if you don't mind me plugging this a little bit, I, I'm a musician myself. Oh, yeah. I've got a... I've got a solo, my first solo project coming out under the name Ne'er Do Well. Um, So I'll be dropping a a single probably late August and an EP probably late September. So, um, you know, if any any folks want to listen to some cool new tunes, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Yeah. On the 35th anniversary of Appetite, you posted the, the Night Train solo that you did. Just, oh yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, look at this. I, and I preface this with, I like you, Brian. You're coming back on. I'm jealous of your hair. I'm jealous of the slash interview. I'm glad. I'm jealous you can play guitar. But I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of your time. <laughs> Likewise, man. Thank you very much. You got it. So uh, stick around. Appetite for discovery. Fame on fire with Brian. Recording stopped. Cool, man. So got it. So uh, stick around. Appetite for discovery. Fame on Fire with Brian. I just want very appetite. That's the goal. Very appetite. For Discovery! And now we tune to Appetite for Discovery, where we bring you the latest in what we can find in new music. Of course, Guns N' Roses will talk about if they ever have new music. That's another story for another time. But welcome to the podcast, Brian, oh, I know I just asked you how to pronounce your last name, but I already forgot it. Kuznets? Kuznets, yes. Oh, I got it, yes. Perfect. Brian Kuznets from uh, Fame on Fire. I I can say welcome to the podcast, but maybe I should say welcome to the chaos. You like it? You you love the puns, huh? (laughs) I really do. You like that. So for those who who don't know, uh, Fame on Fire, they have a new album out, Welcome to the Chaos. You perhaps may have seen them on tour. They're all over uh, the United States. They're uh, doing some dates in Canada, all over Octane, right, on on Sirius XM. Um, Yes. Thanks, man, first of all, um, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. where are you located now? Are you a Florida band? Are you in Florida right now? Hell yeah. I'll never leave. <laughs> you'll, you'll never leave Florida. So as a New Yorker, who I guess the, the stereotype is going to say when I retire, I'm going to go down to Florida. What's so <laughs> But everybody else in the world, Florida is like, oh, Florida, man. Uh, do you take those uh, offense to that? You know, the, the crazy stuff, the, the stories that come out of Florida, bath salts and everything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's, uh, you know, you're going to find that really anywhere. That's um, true. Just Florida, Florida has made itself very famous. But the craziest people, I've, I've, I've been to the majority of these states, the craziest people are not in Florida. They are not. They're usually in Oregon. But uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you are right. There's crazy people everywhere. It's just I feel bad. I'm like I've been to Florida. I've met Floridians. They're nice, but then they have right. 
because we have listeners all over the world. So where I have, um, I've been doing episodes lately talking to fans from other countries where Guns N' Roses is, and I find how ignorant I am about other countries. So it's like I can only imagine what people think of Florida. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make the Florida name good again. Gotcha, gotcha. And, <laughs> and I don't know if you can see if you're watching on Zoom, my uh, my cat Blackie Clawless just decided to join me. What's going on? Blackie Clawless. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, so if you can tell me a little bit about yourself growing up in, uh, are you from Orlando? Like where in Florida? And like what? got you into music and this path that you're currently on so i grew up uh probably 30 minutes from where i am now i'm in point beach which is part of west palm beach so you know palm beach county area and uh grew up here and uh you know played in the local music scene did that whole thing played at this all all the shitty venues that you can possibly think of um growing up as just you know a local musician and then eventually moved to orlando and that's actually where Fame on Fire formed, was in Orlando. But we're all from here. Everybody is from here. Everyone's from South Florida, but we all moved up to Central Florida. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know why. We wanted to get out. We wanted to get away from our parents. We wanted to be away from our hometown. Okay. You know, the, uh, the I hate my hometown, punk rock kid type thing. You know, <laughs> we, just wanted, we just wanted to leave. And so being up in Orlando, that's where we formed Fame on Fire. You know, we all grew up as friends you know i blake alex myself we all literally lived across the street from each other that's cool and to see that the success that you're having now um and and for those who also don't know florida is huge you know it's like new york it's saying that as a soul it can mean so many different things so many different you know kind of areas um you mentioned kind of like a that punk rock i'll get out of my hometown kind of thing is that what the music you grew up on? Like, what what were the bands that you grew up listening to that kind of inspired your your sound? Um, yeah, I definitely grew up on like uh, not so much the older like eighties, nineties punk rock, but definitely like you know pop punk. Um, anything from like one eighty two, some forty one, and then you know the heavier side of things when I got into Avenged Sevenfold, Disturbed. Um, m- the oldest band I listened to, like when I was like the youngest, was Lincoln Park. I remember when I remember when that album came out, um, Hybrid Theory. I think it was like two thousand one. I was like I was a kid. I remember I was just sitting there playing with Crazy Bones, listening to this album, and like it was it was some good days, man. Playing Pokemon, <laughs> Crazy Bones. It was fucking. I miss those times. And Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory just came out. It was, it was amazing. That's funny. You know, I'm slightly older than you. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking, I know I'm just slightly. I'm 38. I just turned 30. All right. Congratulations. So I'm slightly older, but I have brothers. Like, we're all four years apart. So they got me into Pokemon at the time. Uh, so, yeah, I can. That's, I can, could have done a Pokemon podcast, but that's, a, that's another story for another time. But I also, I remember Linkin Park. I but, it was, I guess, maybe my freshman year of high school and just waking up and still putting on MTV when they had music videos and just like, whoa, this is different. And honestly, obviously, tying it into my Guns N' Roses theme, it was like one of those bands like, whoa, this this sound, this sound doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. You know, that's what Linkin yeah. Park was. Uh, absolutely. So I can see that. So, yeah, for those who don't know, you kind of have that style, the Linkin Park style, the kind of the rap, rock um, the heaviness, like you mentioned, of being sevenfold. So I don't know. How would you classify uh, people who haven't heard Fame on Fire yet? But hopefully they have. 
Um, shit. <laughs> I know it's one of those. Uh, like they asked, they ever see the movie Airheads? With up, I feel like you need I to. Feel like I, 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 I don't remember it much, but I feel like it's one of those like blockbuster movies. Like old blockbuster movies. Oh god, you make me. You, you need to with uh, Brendan Fraser and, and Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi when they were trying to yep. describe their sound. They're like power slop. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, Fame on Fire is just. Um, it's basically just like I, I try to sound like Chester Bennington uh, while my band uh, tries to sound like modern Seven Dust. Hmm. Oh wow, that's cool! I like that. That's really if you said that, I think most people like without even hearing. That's I've heard the music and I like it. That even has me more intrigued. I was like, wow, I didn't put that together, and I'm going to go back and and listen for that. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. There's so much Seven Dust influence in the guitars and the drums. Um, but you know, we try to do the we try to write the catchiest fucking choruses that we can, the catchiest songs that we can. <laughs> you know, that's 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 the goal is to write catchy shit, and we really go for that. We're not trying to be overly artistic and do weird keys and shit although we do do some weird keys but I feel like we still make it accessible so you do write about some making it accessible and not making it complicated but you do write about some uh, some serious stuff in your own way uh, so a new single one of the singles that's out on the new album uh, Ketamine um, on this podcast, I talk about mental health and addiction a lot. It just it ties in not just with Guns N' Roses, but with my own life. I've, I haven't drank alcohol in seven years. Pot is another story, but I uh, you know I have no, nothing hard. My life, you know, I'm go I go to therapy. I'm on Cymbalta, all these things. So I, whenever there's a chance for someone who's comfortable talking about mental health, and it is cool that you put music out there. Uh, that I'm sure a lot of your fans relate to. Can you just talk about that song a little bit? Yeah. Um, so ketamine for me, when I was in sixth grade, um, I got diagnosed with ADHD. And I know a lot of people like will like write that off. They're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It kind of is. People who I feel like it's very understudied, to be honest, because there's a lot of things that come with ADHD. Because I have very bad anxiety. I get in very depressive states. Um, and so, you know, these kind of things all kind of wrap into it. But anyways, I digress. Um, when I was in sixth grade, they decided to put me on Adderall. And I took Adderall for six years in a row, every single day. And by, when I turned, I think I was like, how old was I, 18? 18, 18, 18 or 19, something like that. When I, when I was that old, I... Um, I was like, I want to get off of this shit because I want to feel emotions again. Because I didn't feel emotions. I had no, I was the most sterile, emotionless person ever. And so I got off of it. And uh, right when I got off of it, all these emotions kind of like flooded my fucking brain. Hmm. And it was wild. Um, I remember trying to like, I remember, luckily, I had, I, luckily at the time, I had a great girlfriend. And um, I was like, I can't like, live right now like I can't live with this I don't I don't really remember it too much because it was a while ago but I remember like just losing the complete will to live and just not and thinking like I can't do this this is like like you talk about pain it's like it's just such a mental pain and you just don't and you don't understand why you can't make sense of any of it and so I just I didn't want to I didn't want to exist anymore I didn't want to live anymore and so luckily I had a girlfriend that was able to talk me out of it and I was like okay great then um, 
then of course I get back on Adderall again after being off of it for a year and being okay and drinking coffee, get back on Adderall. And then the same shit happens to me, go through withdrawals. And it's like, for me, it, like at the time, I remember um, we were talking about, someone was talking about ketamine. And it was one of those things where it's like, well, this, they're like, I'm like, what does it do? And they're like, oh, it's like a Xanax, but like better. And I was like, oh, that's fucking crazy. So if I take ketamine, I'll be able to, you know, get off this drug and not want to kill myself. Cause you know, that's what I'm, I have so much anxiety from being off of being off of drugs. I feel like my receptors are just completely fried. And so to me, it looked like ketamine was the outlook. Like that was, that was the play. I never ended up taking it. I'd never taken it, but that song is about, that's my only hmm. option. Like that, that was my pretty much last resort. And now to this day, I don't drink caffeine because I can't because I genuinely have, like my receptors are genuinely fried. If I have caffeine, I'll have a panic attack. It's instant. Um, I don't smoke weed. I don't, I genuinely don't take anything. Hmm. I'm, I'm very sober besides alcohol. I do, I do drink alcohol, but I'm very, um, I'm good with alcohol, you know? I don't, I don't overly consume it or anything like that, but yeah, it's, uh, I was an involuntary drug addict in a sense because, you know, the, uh, the doctors, they did the test on me and they said, this is what your kid needs. Give them Adderall. Mm. Yeah. And so, and that's just, you know, big pharma just fucking everybody once again. <sighs> you know, I pre a, I appreciate you sharing that and I'm glad you're here. Uh, you. Me too. I felt that way. You know, almost basically throughout my my twenties, when I finally decided to go to therapy when I was twenty six, and I didn't want to beforehand. I can fix myself, uh, kind of situation. Didn't think I needed medication either. You know, I didn't want to be here. Um, and long story short, because I have spoke, I don't want to. My, my listeners know, but I'm just letting you 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 know this. But um, you know, thankfully, I went to therapy because she saved my life and again i didn't want to be on medication i was a homebody but now uh, i'm married i got cats i have a good job you know thankfully but over the uh, nine years ago uh, i lost my dad to uh, to mental health and it's just it's you know it's interesting what i think about and especially with your story is you have to have the right person it's not just prescribing medication because it wasn't just me getting on medication. It was that I had the right therapist and, and who's still in my life. She was supposed to come to my wedding, but she got lost. It's a whole other story. Uh, but I don't know if my, who my, my dad was talking to. And again, when you're kids and you're trying to form these emotions and understand them, but you're not allowed to because of this medication, I think that's very dangerous. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, you're still relatively, I don't want to, I'm sorry, it's the older brother in me. You're still relatively young and understanding that. But I did the same as you. I tried, I'm like, I don't need this medication anymore. I want to feel. And then I realized, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm reverting back to my very angry ways, uh, not understanding why I'm, things are upsetting me the way they are. So everything's a balance now. You know, even I'm glad that you don't because I say it as a joke and people. And if you've seen Half Baked, that's another movie. Hopefully you've seen, you know, mar marijuana is not a drug. It, it it is. Anything could be an addiction if you allow it to be, you know. Correct. So I've told my wife, if it ever becomes a problem, you tell me. <laughs> I told them that when we first started dating. If me smoking weed is a problem, you know, I, I you have more, you know. 
you're more important than that. Um, All that being said, because what's also helped me is this podcast, believe it or not, talking to people like you, talking to rock stars, uh, share their stories, knowing that we're not alone. So I know you said the old, the quote unquote oldest band you grew up listening to was Linkin Park. But what about Guns N' Roses? They're still hip. They're, you know, they, they were in Thor. So I'm just curious. Obviously, Guns N' Roses' uh, podcast, Appetite for Distortion. Um, fan of the band? Ever seen them? I don't know if you've ever covered them. Just any, any GNR I, connection? I didn't know who Guns N' Roses was before this. You, you're serious. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I was like, that would have blown my mind. Like, no, you're not. No, no, no. I, uh, when did I start listening to Guns N' Roses? I started, I, the first song I heard from them was... Uh, Night Train? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's from Appetite of Destruction. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was like 18, I think, at the time when I first heard them. And um, my, my buddy like just put it on, and that was the first fucking song. And I was like, oh, this shit's sick. And then he's like, yeah. Now, that was the first time I really listened to him because, of course, I knew Sweet Child of Mine and, you know, um, uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Like, I, I knew that kind of shit. Right, and Paradise City. But, I mean, they're all on the radio. I mean, it would have been... I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. even know Paradise City. You didn't? Okay. Uh, I, I, I only knew the songs that were in Guitar Hero. Mm, okay. That's interesting. So, Welcome to the jung- Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine. And so, like, listening to Night Trap, I was like, this is fucking sick. I was like, this is Guns N' Roses. Like, this is really cool. And then we just proceeded to listen to the entire Appetite of Destruction album for two months straight. Really? Wow. Yeah, like, that's all... Our, like our music taste was it just consisted of a steady rotation of Avenged Sevenfold Appetite of Destruction specifically Appetite of Destruction um, and then uh, Blink-182 nice nice yep. uh, Avenged uh, also very heavily influenced by Guns N' Roses and I like Blink I saw them years and years ago with uh, Green Day and Saves the Day um, we'll, we'll see if they reunite but I guess uh Travis is kind of occupied being a Kardashian now, I guess. I know. I roll. I roll. That's all you can. It's it's weird. It's, 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 stick to the music. I hate it. The celebrity of it all. It, it is annoying. But no, that, that is really cool. And I love the perspective of different ages when they find the band. You know, because again, I'm 38. Appetite for Destruction, 35 years old. So I was only four. I was listening to Muppet Babies and, and Ninja Turtles, which so I was. But then I discovered it through, I guess, my dad who would put on classic rock radio in the car. Then we have you discovering it through. That's why Slash did Guitar Hero, you know, for a new generation. So that is that. That is those are the stories I really like because yeah, we're not all going to be you know old school eighties rockers with denims. You know, I love those guys. I wish I was. I just missed the cutoff for that. But when did you find this band? And that's where we all connect here. We all meet here in Appetite for Distortion. We meet new people, just like you, Brian. So this was a, a lot of fun uh, talking to um, anyone. I guess we'll just leave it with what can people expect from a Fame on Fire show? If they can, Hopefully when they go out and see you out on uh, tour this year. Well, you can expect um, me in the crowd. Um, getting in your face. Even if you don't know the words, I don't give a shit. I'm getting in your face. Um, you can expect a lot of movement on stage and probably some of the sweatiest people you'll see all day. <laughs> nice. Nice. I love it. High, high, high energy, high impact. Um, not fucking around. 
So check it out. They're not fucking around. So if they're, they're coming to your town. Fame on Fire, you know, the website, Instagram, Twitter, it's all the same. Very easy to find you. I always hate bands that it just makes it, it's like putting in a uh, a passcode, dollar sign, exclamation mark. I'm like, no, just, just make yeah. it easy. Just make it easy for me. So, uh, yes, fame. it's 420 underscore 69 underscore fame underscore uh, on. <laughs> Fire. I gotcha. So you can find us. Backsla- That's our website. There. Backslash, backslash, gotcha. Dot CA because we're going to afford dot com. <laughs> dot net. You only can uh, look it up on Netscape. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, a real end uh, conversation with the nerdy talk. I love it. Brian, thank you so much. Um, really nice to meet you. And I know you're coming into town. So hopefully, I think you're playing the Hammerstein Ballroom. I'll see you when you come to, to New York. Beautiful. Look forward to it. You got it. So um, we'll talk soon, buddy. Yeah, we will. I'll see you, man. Thank you, Brian and Brian. The Brian episode uh, today. So thanks to the Bryans for coming on episode number 359 of Appetite for Distortion. And that is it for this uh, this episode. Don't forget the conversation always continues in between the broadcasts. So please follow at the AFD podcast on Twitter Appetite for Distortion on Instagram, uh, the AFD Podcast on Facebook. You can always email me, the AFD Show at gmail.com. Always check out YouTube. In between the broadcasts, I'm constantly updating the the highlights, the, the clips and the highlights of older episodes, things you may have forgotten. So be sure to check us out on YouTube. So the next episode, Pyro Pete. I just like saying that, Pyro Pete. And Doug Goldstein going to be on the show. We're going to be doing a nice little, uh, some reflection on the Use Your Illusion tour. I, unfortunately, was too young to go. So I'm going to live vicariously through their stories. So stick around. When will you see that? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.